0: Hey guys, and welcome to our Coffee with Alan time today. Uh, I'm going to be uh, talking today about the, this concept of simplicity. Um, I, I had a conversation recently uh, with with the, with the lady that uh, I was talking to about uh, just about grace, about the faith uh, that we that we have in Jesus Christ, and just the simplicity of of grace, the simplicity of repentance, the simplicity of grace, the simplicity of Jesus, uh, the simplicity of the biblical truth, um, and and how so often in the church we try to just complicate things all the time. We make, we kind of, it almost seems that we, we make it so complex that we put a stumbling block in, in front of ourselves and others around us. Um, that, you know, so there's a passage in, first Corinthians that I thought was very interesting to, to think about. Uh, so first Corinthians chapter two says, uh, when I come to you brothers and si- I'm sorry, when I came to you brothers and sisters announcing the mystery of God to you, I did not come with brilliance of speech or wisdom. I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came to you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. My speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of wisdom, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not be based on human wisdom, but on God's power. Um, and so, and so we, we do, however, speak a, a wisdom among the mature, but not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. On the contrary, we, we speak God's hidden wisdom in a mystery, a wisdom God predestined before the ages of our glory. None of the rulers of this age knew this wisdom, because if they had known it, they would have, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Um, but as it is written, what no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no human heart has conceived, God has prepared these things for those who love Him. Now, I'll um, we'll to go, go on a little bit here in a little bit, but just a, a little bit of background to this. So He is in He's writing to the Corinthians and he wrote Corinthians from Ephesus. Now, again, he's writing letters to other churches from somewhere else, and so if we kind of backtrack a little bit on the chronology here, if we, we, backtrack, we backtrack Paul's ministry journey, so he came to Ephesus in his journey, so if you follow him, he's from Antioch all the way through Galatia and up through Thessalonica, Philippi, all sorts of stuff in the north in Greece, and then down into Greece, and then we see he arrives at Athens, kind of in the northern part of Greece, and then he comes down to Corinth, and then after he leaves Corinth, he goes over to Ephesus, and this is where he's writing this letter from. And so what he's talking about here is he is talking to the Corinthians. He's like, so if we backtrack in the book of Acts, we see right before he came to Corinth, he was in um, Athens, and he was trying to persuade people in Athens and with, with all his words of wisdom and, and, and espousing you know, what they call Gnosticism, in, in the sense not he's not espousing Gnosticism, but he's interacting with the Areopagus, who are Gnostics, uh, those who worship wisdom, the pagan, pagan wisdom. Um, and so he's he's arguing with them and and debating with them and uh having a conversation with them about faith using like he said the Areop, areopagus is where he said hey i've been i was studying throughout i was looking around these different gods and i was studying throughout the city and you've got gods to everything and i saw this he even you have one god that says to the unknown god to make sure we didn't miss one right and he's saying that this one that you sort of serve as unknown i say, I know this God, and guess what? He's the God of all the gods. He's actually the most powerful God. He's the creator God. And so he, he articulated and, and used words of wisdom and, and, ar- and argument and very sophisticated language. And he said, said that he saved some, you know, he delivered some, which is awesome. We love that a, a church was formed in Athens at that time. But then he was like, you know what? And, but it was so unfruitful you know, in, in, the, in the larger scale And so he got to Corinth, and he was like, I'm just going to keep the message and the ministry simple. I'm just going to, I chose to know, I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. He's like, I'm going to make this ministry so simple, and what happened? The church just exploded. It was a, a big movement of God. Lots of move- people coming to faith in Jesus. Uh, Gaius and these important people, the l- ruler of the synagogue, and different people in the synagogue, and he, that's where he met, um, you know, Priscilla and Aquila, and it was in Corinth. And just we see this whole um, this ministry that just came out of this simplicity of the gospel of grace, of preaching Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Look at Billy Graham. He knew nothing else besides Christ and him crucified, preached repentance, preached the simplicity of the faith. Here's the simplicity of what we believe, how we believe it, who Jesus is, and what happened. What happened in Billy Graham's ministry? Millions of people came to faith in Jesus Christ throughout the years, either directly from his crusades or his ministries or from... From from him going at ministry and and people you know ministering to others because they were impacted by his ministry, and so still the world over we see millions of people today coming to faith in Jesus over across the world and across the time just thousands of people coming to faith in Jesus each every each and every week um, through just different crusades and stuff from his sons you know Franklin and 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 now um, uh, his younger son, can't remember his name off the top of my head. We were going to have him come to Bozeman. At one point but it didn't happen <laughs> but anyway all that to say just the simplicity of the faith because I was always struck by that by that conversation I had uh, a week ago uh, with a friend of mine just how explaining the faith of Romans 6 of deliverance and full grace of Jesus that he is for you know that when Jesus died on the cross he saved us and cleansed us from all you know, he forgave all of our sins and remember, all of your sins to Jesus were future to him when he was dying on the cross. So 2,000 years ago, Jesus forgave all of your sins, past, present, and future. He washed it all clean. He forgave you all of your sins and cleansed you from all unrighteousness, 1 John 1:9. And it's, it's a, it's a one-time deal. It's you are forgiven. And so instead of this concept of like, you know, I'm coming to God and asking and, and begging his forgiveness and trying to do this, you know, contrition and try to like, try to like come to him and, and let him know you're sorry enough about your sins that he will forgive you. Like, what do we do to make God forgive us? Ask for it. We don't even have to ask for his forgiveness. We Thank him for his forgiveness, knowing that he has forgiven us already of all of our sins and cleansed us from all unrighteousness. So that when we do something stupid, when we mess up, when we when we stumble, when we when we don't do something outside of our identity in Christ, that we can come to the, with the full knowledge of the forgiveness of Christ, that he has forgiven us of all of our sins and cleansed us of all of our unrighteousness, because we confessed our sins to him, acknowledge that we were a sinner and laid our lives before him, and, and claimed him, and pledged him as Lord of our life, and pledged our allegiance to him, and our, our faith in him, um, that we are now children of God. That you are a son or a daughter of Jesus Christ, and there's nothing that you can do to separate yourself from the love of God. And, and so there's, there is a, a depth of mystery to that, uh, I mean, just if you read, I just want to mention that Romans six. Let's just read that. What should we say then? Should we continue in sin so that grace may multiply? Absolutely not. Well, he's, you know, he's basically he's been building up this argument that 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 Jesus is a better Abraham. Jesus is a better Mo, you know Abrahamic covenant. That Jesus is a better Mosaic covenant. That his covenant is in full grace, is in grace, not law. That yes, you were dead in your trespasses and sins, and now you have been made alive. Let's look at that. How can we who died to sin, you died to sin, still live in it? Or are you unaware that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized, what? Into his death. Therefore we are, were buried with him by baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in the likeness of his death, we will certainly also be in the likeness of his resurrection. For we know that our old self, remember, this is what we oftentimes in theological circles and pastoral circles call the sinful nature, our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be rendered powerless. So that we may no longer be enslaved to sin since a person who has died is freed from sin. So if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him because we know that Christ, having been raised from the dead, will not die again. Death no longer rules over him, just like sin doesn't rule over you. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all time. But the life he lives, he lives to God. That's what, it is. It's what he's inviting us into, this life, this living life with, you know, to God. So you too consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Um, And so that's why he said, you know, don't let this, don't let sin reign in your mortal body. Because why? It's dead to it. It's powerless. It is gone. Do not offer any parts of your, of, of it, you know, as weapons for unrighteousness. But as those who are alive from the dead, offer yourselves to God and all parts of yourselves to God as weapons for righteousness, for sin will not rule over you because you are not under law, but under grace. You could just sit with this. You could know, just sit with this passage. Um, and so we, when, we, when we read chapter 6, we see the lens lens through which we interpret chapter 7. Now, there's a, raising, there's a rising number of scholars, biblical scholars nowadays, that are coming to agreement that, this, that chapter 7 is not Paul writing to a new covenant reality but a pre-Covenant, you know, pre-New Covenant, pre-Jesus Christ encounter on the road to Damascus, a pre-road to Damascus salvation experience encounter when he was a legalistic Pharisee. Because he begins the chapter by saying, you know, I would not have known what, it, what sin was. And, you know, the parts of me that are not, you know, of Christ, of God, unless I was given the law so that I knew where, you know, basically I knew the boundaries. I knew the fence. I knew this is right, this is wrong. This is what I should do. This is what I should not do. This is who I am and this is who I am not. And so he's saying he's ever grateful for these things because it showed him the character and nature of God. Uh, and now in Christ, who he is in Christ. But this wrestling that we keep talking about, a lot of times we, we come back to this chapter 7 to say, Look, I'm still a sinner. Look, I have sin- a sinful nature because look, Paul said, I don't do the things that I want to do and I do the things that I don't want to do. Blah, 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 fighting. But he's saying, This is the, the life that I used to live in wrestling with the flesh and the law. I, I, want, I see these things over here that I want to do, but I, I'm, I'm dead in my flesh in my, in my unrighteousness without the Holy Spirit, because look through the lens of chapter six and then the, the, the bookmark of chapter eight, what is the very first verse? Therefore, there's now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. Now the law of sin and death is oftentimes, um, associated with the law of Moses. Um, and so, you know, the Mosaic law and everything that, that encapsulated the temple worship and everything. And so, what he's basically saying is, you are freed from the Mosaic covenant because you have now been given the Spirit, the, the law, the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus, the way. You know, this this word "law," you know, "namas" in the in the original Greek means way, perspective, um, this opinion, you know, God's opinion, God's way, God's view. Um, Little little l law, right? And so, we see this this way of the spirit, this this opinion, this worldview of God. That is what we live by now. This law of the spirit of Christ, life of the the spirit of the life of Christ Jesus. What has set us free, has fulfilled and set us free from that. And so, and this whole this we have died to sin. Jesus' death on the cross. Uh, crucified us with him. I love this. It was a Colossians. I, I know I've read this a few, a few times on this podcast, but um, let's see if I can find it here. Um, there it is. It's talking about circumcision, all these different things. Um, uh, I wasn't planning on, on <laughs> reading this today, but i um, trying to find it here. But basically um, cap, you know, don't make sure that no one keep, you know, holds you captive to these things We're um, also circumcised in him circumcision when you were buried with him in baptism in which you raised with him Through faith who raised him from the dead you were area go. You were, and this is 2, chapter chapter 2, verse 13 in Colossians. And when you were dead in trespasses and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive with him and forgave us all our trespasses. What? He erased the certificate of debt with his obligations that was against us and opposed to us and has taken it away by nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities, that's another conversation, and disgraced them publicly. He, he triumphed, triumphed over them in him. And so so basically, don't let anyone put things on you. Therefore, don't let anyone judge you in regard to food or drink or, or matter of festival or new moon or Sabbath day. These are all shadow things. Basically, like he's put away these things. Let no one condemn you by delighting in ascetic practices and worship of angels, claiming access to a visionary realm, such as are inflated by empty notions and their unspiritual mind. Um, basically saying, don't let people keep law and condemnation and all these things on you, like do this or else, you know, it, it, basically things that are not even scriptural, things that are not even, Jesus never even said these things, basically like longer, <laughs> that's another podcast. Um, but just this concept of that the simplicity of the grace of, of Jesus Christ on the cross set you free completely from your sin. He actually transformed your nature. You now no longer have a sinful nature. Like well, why do I still still keep sinning? We still have our stinking thinking. We still have practices and ways that we lived before. We have the world around us influencing influencing us, like telling us you know telling us these things. Billboards everywhere, you know, telling us value you know, on social media. Everything is preaching a sermon to you from, from you know bombarding you, people's opinions being heaped on you. This is what it's you know what it should be like. You know, this is what life should be like. This is how you should live. And so we we believe maybe a wrong wrong way of thinking because we're being preached this sermon from the world around us, people who are not believers or from social media, from mass media, from newspapers, from, you know, to billboards, to conversations, to, Uh, whatever you have it like that we have this bombardment of the of sermons from the world all around us and we also have not just in the physical realm but in the spiritual realm as well we have demonic you know oppression and we've got spirits that are just bombarding our our mind and our and our hearts and our spirits um telling us and trying to lie to us the spirit of deception the spirit of lies spirit of fear spirit of what you know what have you Bombarding us from the spiritual realm, and so it's very easy to, to if we don't walk by the spirit, like what he says, walk by the spirit. You know, Galatians five also says, walk by the spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of this world. You know the flesh. This the, he talks about the, this physical realm. You, you know of, of the flesh that sarks is anything physical, tangible, our our physical bodies. But this whole concept of don't give in to these things. Like that's what he says. Like don't submit your body to that, right? Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body to obey it as you know its desires, uh, and don't offer up your bodies to you know, um, of, you know offer up parts of your body to sin as weapons for unrighteousness. But those who are alive from the dead offer your bodies to God and all, the, and all the parts of yourselves to God as weapons for righteousness. For sin will not rule over you because you are not under the law but under grace. Go back to ver, you know, verse 11 from chapter 6. So you too consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Live the life he lives. He lives to God. Live to God. All these things about chapter 6 and chapter 8, show us the simplicity of our faith. It's not complicated, it's not. We, 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 you know, look at, at what he talked about to the Corinthians, it's like, I came preaching just <laughs> the simplicity of the gospel of Jesus Christ and him crucified and live by that, live with one another. You know, like, I love you know, Acts chapter two, where it says that, the, that these, these, these disciples, they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching to the, to the fellowship, the breaking of bread, and prayer. It's so simple. Our faith is so simple. Worship the Lord, fellowship with, with one another, and have a relationship with, with Jesus. Have a relationship with God and with others. So simple, knowing that you are not considered the, by, by scripture any longer to be called a sinner. You are a saint. That word all over scripture, hagiazo or hagiou, means holy ones. When it talks about that, you are not, you know, that word when it uses saints, it's not some like holy caste of holy, right, holier than thou people that have attained to a certain level of, of, of sainthood and holiness. You are holy because Jesus made you holy. You are righteous because Jesus who, he who knew no sin became sin on the cross so that in him we would become the righteousness of God. You would become the righteousness of God. That is our faith. And so, holy people coming together to form a holy priesthood and create the holy temple. We are all living stones, building ourselves up into a holy temple, a holy house, offering spiritual sacrifices to God, encouraging one another up in the faith, exhorting one another when we, and, and re- re- rebuking and correcting each other when we be- start to believe the stinking thinking and the voices around us in the world to bring us back, to remember who we are that we don't forget our identity in Christ, that you are holy, that you are righteous, that all of your sins are forgiven, that you have been cleansed from all unrighteousness. Walk in that, and so when we do stumble, when we do, when we do something stupid, we need to reconcile with one another. That's why I said, confess your sins, your, your wrong thinking, wrongdoing to one to another, so that you can have healing in the body of Christ, so that there's not division, so that there's not a breakdown, so that there's unity in the faith, so that there's unity as the body of Christ, as saints. Hagiazu. Hagiyu or Hagiazo, that you are a holy people, you know, you are a a royal people, a holy nation. That is who we are. That is who you are. It is so simple. So lean into that simplicity. Remember that simplicity. Study it. I hope if if you are angered right now by this, that you would be so ticked off that you'd pick up your Bible and read, because that's what it took for me to realize this as well I got so frustrated coming out of my religious thoughts thinking way of thinking that I was like I'm, I'm ticked off I'm gonna read Romans and, blah, blah, blah. and I read it again and I was like oh wow that is good and then I read it again and I was like whoa this is good whoa this is good and then I was like so I wasn't ticked off at that point I was so joyful that I was like I'm gonna read the entire New Testament so I read the entire New Testament twice and it just exploded off the page with joy, with freedom. Passage of scripture that I couldn't read before because it didn't mesh up with my theology, or it was like trying to, trying to shove it through this theology of of legalism and you know that my existence is to repent always, and that's all I have to ever have to do is I'm a dirty, rotten sinner that's got to live every single day of his life in in just in constant repentance. That's not who we are in Christ. You have been set free. You are holy. You are righteous. You are beloved. That is who you are when the God the Father looks at you he sees Jesus Christ that is who he sees that's who the Father sees when he sees you he sees Jesus Christ because he took all of our brokenness and all of our shame from when we were born till the day that we die. because remember he lives outside of time he covers all of time all of your sin he covered all of it with his blood 2000 years ago so Thank him whenever you mess up, thank him for his forgiveness. when you're just sitting and thinking about you know, about Jesus, thank him for his forgiveness. thank him for the cross, thank him for the resurrection. Thank him for his grace and, his, and the outpouring of his Holy Spirit that you are, are now a tabernacle of the Holy Spirit given his Holy Spirit poured out on you when he came to faith in Jesus. And so I, I hope this message has encouraged you drop the baggage. It is so freeing. Drop the baggage from your thinking, drop the baggage from your religion it is it is definitely absolutely a relationship and it is walking by that relationship because when you're free when you when you understand that you are freed from sin it frees you up to worship him and and express and experience more joy because that is god's desire for you is joy and we've been missing it with so much religion and so much law and putting things on jesus that he never intended we even it says in the book of Acts when, when you know the Judaizers were coming and they all came back to Jerusalem and they're like, hey, let's set the record, the record straight. Is it, is it the law plus Jesus and the three the, you know Peter James and John were like uh, we put nothing on you besides to flee from sexual immorality from from you know from blood from things that have been sacrificed to idols and from you know things that have been strang- you know eating anything that's been strangled. Other than that we put nothing on you. Enjoy your grace enjoy Jesus, enjoy his Holy Spirit. That's it. That was it. That was the totality. Turn away from you. All these four things were their paganism, right? All the worship to the pagan deities, abandon your paganism, love and serve Jesus Be and walk by his Holy Spirit. That is so simple. They didn't even have the New Testament back then. All they had was each other. That's it. And, and, and eventually they started getting letters from, from Paul and other places and people coming in who knew Jesus and was sharing about Jesus and, and teaching. That every time that the apostle would come through, he would teach them more about Jesus because, you know, the apostles walked with Jesus. They would learn more about Jesus and learn more about Jesus. And then eventually the, the apostles started to write them down in gospels and then spread them around the, the empire so they could read more about Jesus and understand and get to know God that is the simplicity of our faith that is so simple and I hope that has encouraged you to, to walk by that simplicity walk by joy walk by his spirit and you will have joy and that's what God wants for his church that's what God wants for his kids that's what God wants for you so I hope this is as uh, as encouraged you or and or ticked you off enough to pick up your Bible and read. Pick it up and read it for yourself. The whole thing. Don't just read little snippets and try to proof text certain things, because that's what I did for many, many years. Pick it up and read the totality of it. Even read it through your own pers- interpretation and then read it through mine. And see the grace and the goodness of the full grace of Jesus Christ, that you are set free from the law of sin and death. He has killed and crucified your old self, your old sinful nature by nailing it to the cross. Love one translation of the Bible says he crucified my old self with him on the cross and liberated from, liberated me from the power of death of sin and death. You are no longer a sinner. you are a saint and you are beloved love, live, and enjoy that freedom. So if you want to get a hold of me, if you want to message me, I'd love to sit down with you for a coffee sometime. We can talk about it, discuss it, and have a conversation about it. So we'd love to talk to you. So reach out to me if you would. And, uh, otherwise we'll, we'll see you next time. Like,